say a big welcome to everybody who's uh, joining us uh, for this live stream. This is the sermon part of our service here at City Temple. And uh, if you want to be able to join the whole service via Zoom, just drop us an email and we'll send you the Zoom details. If you have your Bibles with you, let's turn to Luke chapter 5 and then 1 John chapter 3. Luke chapter 5 and 1 John chapter 3. And we're continuing the sermon series I started uh, that I've called Why Jesus Came. Why Jesus Came. Before we read, let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for your word. I pray, Father, that you'd open it up for us, uh, encourage us with it today, challenge us with it today. And I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would rest on me so I could bring your word to your people today, boldly and faithfully, to the glory of Jesus. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. We pick up in Luke chapter 5 with verse 27. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And Jesus said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, Levi rose and followed him. And Levi, uh, this is, he's also called Matthew. And Levi made a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And then to 1 John chapter 3, one of my favorite passages of the Scriptures. Chapter 3, we'll begin with verse 1, down to verse 6. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when Jesus appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure." Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that Jesus appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. May God bless to us this reading. From his holy word. There's a nice story of a, a, a couple named uh, Tosh and Angus, and they just started dating, and so they decided uh, for their second date that they do what, you know, most everybody wants to do on their second date. They would crash a wedding. So uh, they, they went to uh, a website that talks about upcoming weddings, and they found the perfect wedding to go to, a large gathering, and certainly they crashed in on the reception. They had a great time. They brought a gift, you know, a silly gift along with them, a card, 
uh, and had a great time, food and dancing, and even hung out for a while with the bride's family. They even made up a story of how they knew the bride and groom and everything. And, and uh, I guess it worked because a few years later, uh, Tosh and Angus decided to get married themselves. Uh, the spark had hit, and they actually invited the couple whose wedding they crashed, although apparently the, the couple didn't come in, uh, didn't join their wedding. But it's, it's really funny how we like to have a party, and we like to be part of a party, even if it's not our own party. And I have to tell you, sometimes I feel this way about Christmas. I mean, here we are, we're giving gifts, uh, we're having meals, we're gathering together, we're singing festive songs. I mean, it is a party atmosphere. You know, it's like the, the song said, it's the most wonderful time of the year. I mean, we, we go around, we sing, and we whistle, and things like that, and, and it seems like everybody gets in on the deal, but the only thing is, it's not their party. You know, if you're not following Jesus, why are you having a party? You know, but we like to have a party. But you know what? I don't think that God minds it that people crash the Christmas celebration. In fact, I think it is one of the ways that God wants to communicate His, his own festiveness, His own sense of celebration, His own joy. What, uh, what John actually said, that He wants to communicate His love. See what kind of love the Father has lavished on us. And I, and I think the Father's heart around Christmas is not only for Christians, but for the whole world to see what kind of love that He has lavished on humanity in sending His Son, Jesus Christ, down to live for us, down to be amongst us, down to bring us salvation, down to bring us life. It is a party, it is a celebration that God invites the whole world to join in on. And many do. They sing the festive songs. Uh, Many people even go to church. Many atheists even go to church this time of year. The message is out there and God wants everybody to experience the reality. The reality of His love to look forward to the time when, through Jesus Christ, we will become like Jesus. And in the meantime, to learn how to live in the reality of God's love. It's an, it's an amazing thing. But how can we do this? How can people in the world enter into the reality of the party, the, the meaning behind the party, the depth of all that God has for us? And I think we, we can do that when we recognize why Jesus came. And in particular today, we need to recognize that Jesus came to take away sins. To take away sins. Now to understand this, we must first recognize how sin corrupts and defiles everything in life. Sin corrupts and defiles everything in life. Now John tries to point out this reality by contrasting who we are in God, the love that God has lavished on us with the reality of sin as something that he calls lawlessness. Lawlessness. 
Sin is lawlessness. Lawlessness is sin, and it defiles and corrupts every aspect of, the life, uh, of our lives, of life in the world today. Now, lawlessness itself is the lack of godly restraint, which brings destruction in our world. And it's not only a spiritual destruction. I mean, it brings destruction in our world from pollution to damaging the earth, the unhealthiness that is going on around us, a breakdown of our society. I mean, think about that. And a lot of times people don't think of their sin contributing very much. You know, like, well, I, I'm, not, I'm not a big polluter. I'm not, well, actually, we all are. You know, if you casually toss that plastic bottle on the ground instead of recycling it, you've actually contributed to pollution. You've contributed to the damage of the earth. We've all been doing that. And that's a function of lawlessness. Lawlessness is also doing what is right in our own eyes. Making ourselves the arbiter of right and wrong. And it's always from our sin-filled perspective. Uh, I've really been caught out by this on television programs, uh, and I've never heard this quite as much. But uh, uh, you'd be watching a TV program, and and the uh, person on the program, you know, maybe has just murdered four people uh, and stolen a, a, a million pounds and ruined the lives of a dozen more. And the person says, but you know, I'm not a bad person. I'm like, yeah, you are. You know, in what, in what universe is that not a bad person? But this is so common. And you get this all the time with people. You know, they do what they, they think, think is right. They mess things up. They, they act out of their sin-filled perspective. And then they come out after, after causing devastation, after causing hurt and heartache and problems, and say, well, you know, I'm not a bad person. But actually, you are. Lawlessness is destructive. It's brought brokenness into our world. Because people are doing what is right in their own eyes, we have broken people, we have broken families, we have broken businesses, we even have broken nations. That's the power of sin as lawlessness. And lawlessness brings curses into our world instead of God's blessing. If you look at Deuteronomy chapter 28, we're not going to read that, but if you look at Deuteronomy 28, God says, hey, if you do it my way, these are the blessings that you'll receive. But if you do not do it my way, these are the curses that are going to come. And it's not because we have some mean God who is capriciously trying to curse people. It happens because God has said, if you do this, these are the consequences. So if you drink, you know, 10 liters of alcohol in one day and you destroy your liver, you can't blame God because God said, don't do that. And yet so many people do. But lawlessness, sin, brings curses into our world because we refuse to do what's right. And in the end, lawlessness really is the foundation of everything that is wrong in our world. 
And any active participation in lawlessness, any active participation in sin, contributes to the brokenness and evil in our world. As I said, you toss out that, uh, that bottle onto the street. You've, you've contributed to pollution. You've contributed to climate change. And we're doing this all the time. We're doing this all the time. And this is what John is trying to point out. He's saying to us, you must recognize the evil and horror of sin and that even small sins are bad. The problem is we don't recognize it. You know, we say, oh, well, it's just one bottle that I'm tossing on the street. But you know, pollution, there's, there's a, 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 an, almost an island of plastic that consists of a bunch of one bottles tossed out onto the street or into the ocean. The brokenness of our world is not because of one big sin. It's because of many, 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 many small sins. Many expressions of lawlessness. And John's saying, you got to recognize this. If you want to participate in the love of the Father, you need to recognize the horror of sin and that sin is lawlessness. Second dynamic here, if we're, if we're going to experience the fullness of the Father's love, if we're going to celebrate this season, we must recognize that Jesus came to take away sins. He didn't just come to show us what a good life is all about. He didn't just come to say, hey, there's a God. He didn't just come because he wanted to be a good teacher. Jesus came to take away our sins. And this word take away, it means literally to take up and carry something, to carry it off, to remove it, maybe by seizing it and then carrying it away. Jesus came to take away our sins in the same way. Jesus takes away our sin by bearing the penalty of our sin in himself, in our place. We all deserved judgment from God because of our sin, but Jesus bore all of that in himself. He took the penalty of our sin in himself to make life possible. Jesus also takes away sin by removing the barrier of sin that separated us from God. And Jesus does this by his sacrifice. As the writer to the Hebrews says in chapter 9, but as, as it is, Jesus has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So Jesus sacrifices himself so that we could be restored in our relationship with the Father and the barrier of sin might be taken down. Jesus takes away our sin. Jesus takes away our sin by paying the price to redeem us and to unite us with himself so that sin no longer rules over us or determines our destiny. Outside of Christ, your sin will find you out. Outside of Christ, it's your sin, it's your brokenness that more often than not determines your destiny. And if you, if you wonder about that, just think of how many men and women in their 50s and 60s who are still mourning over sin in their childhood. 
They're still trying to live out of those consequences. And what Jesus does in taking away our sin, He pays the price to redeem us from the power of sin, to redeem us from the power of hell, and then unites us with Himself in His perfection so that sin cannot rule over us. Jesus takes away our sins by removing our sins from us completely. He removes the guilt of sin. He removes the shame of sin, the burden of sin, and the brokenness of sin. As the psalmist says, as far as the east is from the west, that's a long way. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. He doesn't just forgive us and then let the sin stick to us. He removes the sin from us. We must recognize that Jesus came to take away our sins. But further, we must recognize that Jesus is the only one who can take away sins. Jesus is the only one. There is no one else that could have taken away our sin. There is no one that could have been good enough. There is no one who could have been holy enough. There is no one who could have been spiritual enough. There is no one who could have paid the price. There is no one who could have made the sacrifice. Only Jesus Christ himself could take away our sins. As John said in the text, in Jesus there is no sin. In Jesus, there's no sin. For John, what he's doing in this very short phrase, he's actually pointing to the incarnation, the fact that Jesus, fully God, became fully a human being, and the whole purpose of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. It's all encapsulated for John in that one little phrase. Jesus is the only one who can take away our sin because he is fully God. He is, as we saw last week, the Word who became flesh and dwelt among us. Only God could have borne the penalty of sin in Himself by the power of an indestructible life. Hebrews chapter 7. Only God could do that. There's no human with that power. But Jesus was also fully human. Jesus became like us in every single way, except he was without sin. Over the years, I've made a lot of people angry with me in in preaching. Uh, And the, the first time I can really remember making a lot of people really upset with me was when I suggested that Jesus, because he was fully human, human, had to use the toilet. I mean, people got really upset with me. And I'm thinking, you know, what did he do? Was he walking around like this all the time? You know, he's fully human. In fact, can you imagine God suffering the indignation of having to use the loo? But Jesus did. Because he became fully human. He became like us in every way, except he was without sin. Jesus became like us so that we could become like Him. And only a sinless human could atone for the sins of humans. Only a sinless human 
could atone for the sins of humans. But a lot of people here at this point, they say, well, Jesus, you know, he was hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. Yes, he was. Jesus ate with sinners, but he didn't sin with sinners. Jesus ate with sinners, but he didn't sin with sinners. Jesus became like us, but he didn't sin like us. And Jesus became like us so that we could become like him. So in order to experience the joy of this celebration, in order to experience the fullness of the Father's love, in order to experience the benefits of the coming of Jesus Christ, we must recognize the horror of sin. We must recognize that Jesus came to take away sins and we must recognize that Jesus is the only one who could take away our sins. But finally, we must respond to Jesus who came to take away our sins. We must respond. It's not enough just to believe it, just to know it. We must respond to it. We must respond to it. It's a bit like, you know, somebody gives you a free offer. I, I've had that many times over the years, you know, where I'll have a free offer come up on my phone. You know, and that's great. You know, it says, uh, for free, you know, just turn up for this and you get this. Uh, or most of the time, honestly, it's buy this and you get this free. So it's like it's not really free, is it? But, uh, but even if it's a free offer, guess what? I don't get the offer unless I respond to it. Somebody's not going to seek me out to give me what they want to give me for free. Now, thanks be to God, God does seek us out. But still, God invites and even empowers a response. So how do we respond? How must we respond to Jesus who came to take away sins? We must believe, we must have faith in Jesus and all the Bible says about him and his mission. And this includes what the Bible says about sin. You know, a lot of people don't like Jesus because they don't like to deal with their sin. They don't like to have to own up to the fact that they've sinned. But you cannot avoid it. You cannot avoid it. We must believe, have faith in Jesus and all the Bible says about him and his mission. Jesus calls us to follow him just like he called Levi. He called Matthew. It's the Matthew who wrote the book. Jesus says, come and follow me. We must respond to him. We must respond to Jesus in faith by becoming his followers and living under his leadership. Jesus is our leader. Jesus is our Lord. So we must respond by believing, having faith in Jesus and all the Bible says about him. But we also must respond, we must repent from all our sins. We must confess that we've sinned and we must renounce those sins. We must repent from all our sins. In his own words, Jesus said, I've not come to call the righteous, but I've come to call sinners to repentance. Jesus doesn't just call sinners and say, come on and hang out with me and by the way, don't worry about your sin. Jesus calls sinners and say, hey, repent and go and sin no more. 
So we must repent. Repentance is Jesus' way for us to to release our sin, if you will, so he takes it away. If you fail to repent, if you refuse to repent, it's like taking your sin and holding it to your chest. Say, I'll just hang on to this. Don't worry about it. I can deal with it myself. In repentance, we release our sins so that Jesus takes it away. Repentance, according to John here in this passage, repentance means that no one who is a disciple of Jesus Christ, who is a genuine Christian, who is born again, will intentionally persist in sinning. Now, we all sin. All Christians sin. All people sin. And being a Christian doesn't make you non-sinning. We all sin. That's not what John is talking about here. John is talking about the person who says, I know this is sin, I know it is wrong, and I'm going to keep on doing it nonetheless. And according to John in this passage, no one who is really a Christian will ever do that. No one who is a believer, a follower, a born-again follower of Jesus Christ will say, God, I know that this is wrong. I know that this is sin. But hey, forget it. I'm going to keep doing it. And conversely, repentance means that no one who intentionally persists in sinning is a Christian. It's somebody who's either seen or known Jesus in John's words. So you can see that. So we must repent. We must believe. These are the required responses to this reality. But here's good news. God is the one who enables us to believe. God enables us to repent by His grace through faith in the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. It's not just up to us. There have been many times in my life when I've wanted to go on sinning and the Holy Spirit just comes in and He says, Rod, stop it. And I say, okay, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry, Lord. And by the way, if you repent, if you stop, that's proof. Isn't it brilliant? God is the one who empowers us. You know, when we talk about sin, There are always people outside of Jesus, uh, and there are many in Jesus, uh, who will assume that we're talking about judging other people. I don't need to judge anybody. I don't want to judge anybody. I'm not a judge. The scriptures are there. People can read what's there. They can read what's right or wrong. And for those that can't, the Holy Spirit has put into all human beings' hearts and minds what's right, what's wrong, what to do, what not to do. It's there for us. When we're talking about sin, not so that we can be judgmental. We talk about sin so that people can experience and know life and healing in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only source for genuine healing In this world, Jesus is the only one who can heal the brokenness, the iniquity, the sinfulness, the evil that is in this world. Jesus is the only one. But if you've got cancer 
and you refuse to acknowledge that you have cancer and you refuse to go to the doctor, guess what? You'll end up dying. And to say you've got cancer is not judgmental. It's pointing out reality. In the same way, to say that someone has sin, that's not being judgmental. It's just pointing out the reality that we're living in. As Jesus said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but only those who are sick. And Jesus came because we as human beings were sick with sin and under the power of the devil. But hallelujah, Jesus came and Jesus takes away sin. And hallelujah, that just like Matthew, just like Levi in the story, when we experience the reality that Jesus came to take away sins, and when we know the reality that Jesus came to take away my sins and the sins of my family, Jesus came to take away sin and heal me of that brokenness. Jesus came to take away my sin. Then we want to party. We want to celebrate. We want to gladly leave everything. And we also want to invite other people to join the party. And that's part of what we do at Christmas time every year. It's a, a big old invitation to our whole nation. Come and join the party because Jesus takes away sin. Respond to Jesus in faith. Respond to Jesus in repentance because he takes away sin. When we realize and embrace all that Jesus has done for us and continues to do for us, John tells us that we'll want to get rid of that sin. We'll want to purify ourselves as he is pure. We will want Jesus to take away our sins. I encourage everyone to respond to Jesus today in faith and in repentance because Jesus came to take away sins. Let's pray. Gracious God, we love you, we honor you, we worship you, and we thank you. Lord, I pray that you'd stir us in our hearts and in our minds to believe Jesus and all that he came to do. To believe that he takes away and he's the only one who can take away our sins. To have faith in him that that is indeed what he is going to do and then lead us to repent. And Father, as we gather around the table for the Lord's Supper now. I pray that you would continually remind us that we have been set free from the power of sin, death, and hell through Jesus Christ. His body broken, His blood poured out on that cross. Thank you that this Christmas season we can celebrate because Jesus is in our midst and Jesus has taken away our sins. We love you and praise you and pray all this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Now we're going to join in the Lord's Supper. I invite... Uh, Oh, Fadi, would you mind helping me?